0: we jump into God's Word, why don't I lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, our Lord and God, are good, and we thank you that despite the hardships we face, you work for the good of those who love you. And we also thank you that you equip us and enable us to run the race of the Christian faith with perseverance through our Lord Jesus. We pray as we open this word now, you'd be speaking deep into our hearts by the work of your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hate running. A 100-metre sprint isn't too bad. It can be fun once off, but I hate running. My wife, though, who's here, Elle, she does park run every Saturday morning. I don't know if you know what park run is. It's where it happens across all, all across the city, all across the world. 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning at the local park, 100, 200 people rock up to run five kilometres together. I just don't get it makes no sense to me. And whenever I go, I'm with the kids and I cheer from the sideline, but not running, thanks. And I asked my wife once, I said, Why? How how can you like running? Her answer was, Like it? I don't like it. It's hard. It's painful. But when I get to the end, it's all worth it. Well, running is hard and it's painful, isn't it? And the writer to the Hebrews understands this and he uses the metaphor of a race to explain the Christian life. And it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, an endurance race. And endurance races are hard. The Christian life and keeping our faith in God can be hard. Now sometimes it's good, uh, we not only face hardship uh, from our own hearts, um, uh, but sometimes it's joyful, sometimes it's happy, sometimes it's easy and fun. But, but often the Christian life is hard, we battle our own sins, but we also face a world that can be against us. And it can be tempting to give up. And that's the situation of the Hebrews. All across uh, the book of Hebrews, again and again, the original uh, recipients, it's clear, uh, who were the Hebrews, were experiencing some intense hardships from a very hostile culture. Here's what it says in chapter 10, describing what some of the Hebrews were facing. Uh, Verse 33, You were publicly exposed to insult and persecution other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the the confiscation of your property. It was painful being a Christian back then. It was hard. Their property was being taken. They were being insulted. uh, Persecuted. Put in prison. And you can understand then why it would have been tempting to give up on Jesus. To throw in the towel. To abandon their faith. Well, how about us? I still remember sitting in uh, my university lecture hall at Sydney University. I, I did a history major. And my, my history lecture, in front of hundreds of people in this huge auditorium, I was speaking on uh, the philosophy and uh, of history. And just as an aside, wasn't even the main point. He just came out of the blue. He said, he said this, Belief in the sovereignty of God... That God is in control of everything is the most destructive and dangerous philosophy in all of human history. Now I'm sitting there with my Christian uh, Union shirt on, Jesus Christ is Lord, plastered across the back. And at that moment in time, I felt very tempted to pull my hoodie back on and to put that hood over my head. I've often had that feeling of just wanting to blend in, J- just just going with the flow, doing what the world says I should do, rather than holding on to and following Jesus. But sometimes it's not even those big public uh, occasions. Uh, sometimes it's just the little things. It's that look from your family or friend who, who when you explain what you believe, just looks at you so strangely that you would believe that this Jewish man from 2,000 years ago came back to life and now is living in your heart. It's that look. It would sometimes just be easier, wouldn't it, to give up this whole Christian thing, to throw in the towel. Do you ever feel like that? Tempted to give up on Jesus? Ever felt like you're just tired of doing this Christian thing of... This this race is just too long. It's just too hard. Well, I've got some good news from Hebrews 12 this morning. And that is that God knows. God knows it's hard. Jesus knows because he's lived it. And because he knows and because he's lived it, we can persevere in our faith by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And we can take comfort... That God trains us through the hardship to run this Christian race of faith. So let's jump into the passage. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And Hebrews 11 was uh, referenced for us earlier in the service, which is fantastic. And what uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 11 is doing is the writer is again and again using hero after hero of the Christian faith... To uh, all of which faced some terrible persecution and opposition to encourage his readers. And it climaxes at the end of chapter 11 with verse, verse 35 uh, and onwards, where he lists, he, he can't even explain all the people uh, who've been faithful to Jesus. And he finishes with this: Some were tortured, some faced jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were put in, put to death by stoning. They were soared in two. They were killed with the sword. They were poor, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, living in caves and holes in the ground. But they endured, persevered in their faith in God. And that's even though they didn't. That's even though they didn't know about Jesus yet. You see, they've finished their leg of the race, and they were faithful to the end, but they are also waiting in anticipation for Jesus. And in fact, it says they were waiting for, us, waiting for us to run our leg of the race. You see, we aren't the first to run this Christian race. No, and we're certainly not the first to find it a hard slog. Others have run before us and endured and persevered. And they've now passed that baton on. And they're now standing in the grandstands, watching us and cheering us on in the Christian race. And that's something that we are to take great encouragement from. So I've got this big crowd of witnesses around us. And what are we to do? Well... Let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that easily entangles, and let us run, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, there's lots of different ways of running, I think. And I'm actually going to need this to be demonstrated. In our church, we always do some more interactive things. So I'm going to need uh, four volunteers to join me up the front. Some people who think they're pretty good at running. So four volunteers. We won't move on until they've come up the front. Four volunteers. One, two. need two more. Oh, three and four. Perfect. Okay, so... Uh, One of you, can one of you blindfold the other? This running is not going to be easy, by the way. Um, Perfect. Perfect. Okay, we're going to be running up the aisle. So do you want to help him maybe down the stairs first? Because good stuff. Over here, while it's happening, I've got some very tempting Maltesers I'm going to put up here. And our second runner, you're big. I'm going to, I'm going to leave you for last. Pete, Pete, you can be our second runner. When I want you to run, yep. you must always keep your eyes on the temptation, right? So keep your eyes there at all times while running up the aisle. And you two, uh, one of you is the heavy burden on the other. So you can choose... Who wants to be the heavy burden on the other? And then, so come down the front, jump on each other's back. (laughs) Okay, we've got three runners. Here we go. Okay, so we're going to run our race, right? And, (laughs) okay, so race. Let's see how we go. Ready, set, go. (laughs) <laughs> Give him a big round of applause. Well done. Looks like Pete ran, won that one. Pete, come up the front and grab your prize. So well. yeah. There you go. Well, I guess you'll have to share these with all your friends then after the service. I'll be opening them up dinner, so... Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Grab a seat. There are lots of different ways of running, and some ways are better than others. It can be easy to fix our eyes on other things and sometimes to run off track. Sometimes temptations come and distract us from running in the right direction. Temptations of sin and idolatry. Sometimes he uses this illustration of uh, the sin that weighs us down and drags us down that we are to throw off. Uh, And sometimes uh, Paul uses elsewhere the, the, the idea of being veiled and not being able to see which way to run. Running can be hard, and there can be obstacles that we ourselves put in our ways that make running even harder. So what are the the sinful temptations that drag us down or, or turn our gaze and distract us? Is it the pretty boy in your class or the boss who you just do and say anything for? Is it that dream home which you're prioritising and fixing your eyes on more so than on Jesus? It's the lust and the lying. It's the greed and the envy. It's the pride and the fear. These sins are burdens and they're dragging us down in our race. They distract us from running uh, straight along the track. They entangle and trip us over. So just take a moment and think, what are the sins that that are entangling you? What sin is causing you to trip over? Whatever it is, throw it off. Throw off that sin that weighs you down. Never be complacent about the sin in your life. Never be complacent about the sin in your life. Be proactive in getting rid of it because it's our sin that so often trips us over in our Christian race. It's our sin that leaves our face in the mud and leaves our heart stony cold towards God. The solution is to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we fix our eyes on Jesus because of who he is And what he's done. So verse 2, who is he? Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That is, as Augustine puts it, he both begins and ends our faith. We endure only because of his faithfulness, not because of our own. And what is it that he's done? Well, 2 and 3, he endured the cross for our sake. He lived a perfect life of obedience And yet he was abandoned and beaten by those he came to save. So when our own sin, the idols that distract us, when they come along, fix our eyes on Jesus because at the cross we see the reminder of God's love and sacrifice that he'd give up anything for us, even his very life. And when the world is against us and, and causing us, uh, when the race just feels so much more like a fight than it does a race, consider Jesus. Meditate on him. Remember who he is and what he did and where he's now seated. Verse 3, beside the Father. Consider Jesus who endured such, pers- such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. But what does this mean? What does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? Well, it means to think about. Read about, meditate, uh, talk about the gospel and the works of God in the past and what's happening, uh, God is doing in our own life now. Corporately, it means our preaching needs to be Christ-centered. It means our singing and our worship is to be Christ-centered. It, it means that when we meet at Bible studies, uh, when we meet over supper and at dinner and during the week over coffee, that we're speaking of Jesus to one another, pointing each other in good times and bad to Jesus. It might seem cliche, but we need to ask ourselves and each other, how is our personal Bible reading and prayer going? Are we daily fixing our eyes on Jesus by listening to him speak through his word? Uh, my son, uh, Zach, uh, Jason does join us, but he's not quite... There yet. Uh, we do Bible time before bed, and recently we, we always read the kids' story Bible, and we do a, a short uh, little story, and then then off to bed. Uh, but recently, Zach has refused to go to bed until we read about Jesus dying and coming to life again. He will not go to bed until he hears about Jesus' death and resurrection. And at first, I was like, Zach, you've got to, We've read the we've read another Bible story. Time to go to bed, but but there was something then I think that's quite nice and and we've just adopted it it's what we do every night, we read one story of the Bible and then we also read Jesus' death and resurrection Zach is teaching me to fix my eyes on Jesus Uh, it's it's just very encouraging so if we're going to persevere in our faith in God we have to look to the cross fix our eyes on Jesus but that's That's not all. There's still more encouragement from this passage for us. Verses 4 to 12 show us that God uses the hardship of our race to discipline and train his children. So look with me. Uh, Before I do, we need to think about running a marathon because I don't know about you, but have you ever run a marathon? I haven't, and I zero desire to. But certainly, if you decide to run a marathon, you don't wake up and go, Today, I'll run a marathon. No, you wake up and go, In nine months, I'll run a marathon. Because leading up to that, you need to be training and working hard, getting ready. That's the same with the Christian race of faith. We need training and discipline and instruction. And the incredible power of God is that He uses the hardship the challenges, the trials that we as Christians face to train us up to persevere to the end. Uh, the, the, uh, the writer of the Hebrews changes his illustration slightly in these verses. he's, he's moves from, from a race to the discipline of children uh, in verse 4 to 10. So verse 5, Have you completely forgotten the exhortation which comes to you as sons? Sons is important. Do not think lightly of the instruction and discipline of the Lord. Don't be weakened or wearied when rebuked by him. For he loves the one he disciplines. He whips every son he receives. Endure hardship as discipline. For God is treating you as his children. What he's saying here is don't be discouraged or weary when persecution and hardship comes your way. But see it as training from God. He only disciplines the ones he loves. He's treating us as his children. Look at verse 7. That's what fathers do. They discipline and instruct their children. When I'm down at the park with my son, Zach, and some other kid is running amuck, I don't discipline that kid. But when Jason's... Sorry... Well, Jason doesn't run amok yet. But when Zach is doing something wrong, I jump on it straight away. Now, that's for his good. It's for his protection. It's to show him how to love others. Uh, But look at verse 10. Our earthly fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. And I do try my best, though sometimes I get it wrong. Uh, I discipline Zach poorly. I'm too harsh or I'm too soft Whatever it may be, perhaps you've experienced discipline from your parents. And perhaps that discipline was just pointless or quite terrible and destructive. I I don't know. But we can take heart from this, that God is perfect in his judgments. He knows exactly what we need. And look at the end of verse 10. God disciplines us for our good. Why? In order that we might share in His holiness. Verse eleven: No uh, discipline seems pleasant at the time, certainly not, but painful. It's later on, however, that it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. And that word "trained" there at the end of verse ten, eleven, is is the word for gymnastics training. He's gone back from discipline to the, to the illustration of running the race. Hardship that comes our way is not outside of God's control. He uses it for our benefit. And in particular, he trains us in godliness. He uses hardship to grow us in Christ likeness. He makes us more like Jesus through the hard times. It's a bit like weightlifting. So I'm gonna need another volunteer who thinks they're pretty pretty good with the weightlifting. Anyone wanting to volunteer for me? It could be a girl, by the way. I'll take either. Somebody thinks they can lift a weight, just one weight. Yes, Evangeline, come on up the front. There's a, there's a heavy weight and a, and a lighter weight. Okay. Which would you prefer? Um, Maybe the lighter? Is my dignity at stake? Uh, perhaps. <laughs> Let's go with the lighter. Okay. Because uh, Murray Norman didn't almost cope this morning when doing this. Right. So you can take that. And what I just want you to do is just start sort of... Weightlifting. I've never done this. Okay. Well, let me tell you what's actually happening. When you're lifting that weight, microscopic tears are occurring in the muscles in your arm, and what that means is basically you're breaking the muscles so that eventually, when they heal, they heal stronger and better. Yeah. You can you can stop now. You can put it down. Okay. Well done. I done better than Murray Norman. You did better than Murray Norman. Well done. <laughs> Give a round of applause. Those who undergo the right training as God's children uh, through the hardships of the Christian race, we experience not only just bigger muscles, but we experience a life of righteousness and peace. Verse 11. Now, a really important caveat here, because this does not mean that the pain and hardships and persecutions that we face as Christians are good things. No, evil is evil. Suffering is bad. So don't seek out persecutions and hardships as good things. Don't pray for them to come, but pray against them. However, God uses persecutions and hardships for our discipline to grow our faith and love and dependence in him. Uh, just because he uses it does not mean that he sees it as good. He hates the tears of his people. He is bringing about the destruction of all evil through Jesus' death and resurrection and his return. But why I say this is, if you, uh, if you lose a friend because of your stance on same-sex marriage, or you have a Christian brother and sister who, who's uh, bullied uh, at work for their faith... Mourn with them. Grieve, lament, get upset. Let us not celebrate our hardships, but let us take heart that God is good and uses them for our growth in holiness. So let's get running. Some of us have started this race just recently. Some of us perhaps have been running the Christian uh, race uh, following Jesus for a very long time. But what I do know is that all of us still have a long way to go. All of us will have hardships, challenges and persecutions ahead. So verse 12, strengthen those weak and wobbly arms, those weak and wobbly legs Find renewed strength. Don't give up, but persevere to the end. Take heart that the hardships you have faced and will face are being used by our loving Heavenly Father to grow us in holiness. Fix your eyes on Jesus, always remembering what he has done and what he is doing. I want to finish uh, just with a quote from my wife a bit earlier. Running is hard. It's painful. But when you get to the end, it's all worth it. Let me pray. Loving Father, what an honour it is to be called your children. What an honour to be called to run the race of faith. But sometimes, Father, we find it so hard to live for you. We battle the sin in our own hearts and we face the opposition of the world. But we praise you that nothing is out of your control, that you use the hardships we face to grow a harvestness, a harvest of holiness in our lives. Uh, forgive us for the times that we've been tempted to run away from Jesus and enable us, by your Spirit, to fix our eyes on him, the one who for the joy set before him endured the cross for our sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.